This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So when God says, I'm the Lord that healeth thee, he is probably, probably, can't prove it definitively, but he's probably not only saying, I'm the Lord that provides healing for you, I'm the Lord that heals you through the Passover. Now we've got some Bible evidence to, to support that. That was God's first revelation to Israel about who he is. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'm the one that did heal you. I'm the one that will heal you every time you need it. It's a continuous action verb. Over in Second um, Chronicles chapter 30, 765 years have gone by since the original Passover was instituted. Hezekiah is now king of Israel. Hezekiah is replacing some evil kings, and he wants to do right by God. And so he decides to tear down the idols and the groves and all the other stuff that the evil kings have been doing. And then he comes up with the idea to reinstitute the Passover because Israel has been walking in disobedience to God. They haven't been keeping the Passover. They've forgotten some of the rituals. They've forgotten some of the the annual feasts and things that they were supposed to be doing because all those things honored God and they weren't honoring God. So Hezekiah commands Israel, we're going to start this Passover thing again. And so he instructs the people to do it. He instructs gives instruction back to the, the, um, uh, the book, law of Moses, the books of Moses. He has those read and proclaimed throughout Israel. He said, we're going to do it on the right day, on the day of the Passover. We're going to do this again. He starts it up again. The Bible says that there were certain ones that did it wrong. They didn't cleanse themselves. They didn't prepare themselves. And they still partook of the Passover. And I'm going to start reading here in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 18 and... Uh, 18, 19, and 20. Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon every one that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord of his fathers, though he may not be cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. Now, here's what happened 765 years after the Passover was instituted in Exodus chapter 15. And the Lord, this is Second Chronicles 30, verse 20, And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. Oh, but Pastor Mike, that word healed just means to forgive. Well, actually, that word healed means to mend or cure. What I want you to see is Israel, 765 years after the Passover was instituted, Israel was healed in body through the partaking of the Passover. As I said, nobody argues. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Christ is our Passover sacrifice for us. Another example is back in uh, Leviticus chapter 14. Let me read a couple of scriptures real quick. I'll just pull some out of, out of their setting just for the sake of time. Leviticus, Leviticus gives some instructions, some specific instructions for the cleansing of those who had leprosy and other contagious uh, or communicable, communicable diseases. In Leviticus chapter 14 verse 18 It says, and the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall pour upon the head of him that is to be cleansed, and the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord. Notice what is to cleanse the leper, an atonement. Verse 20, and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the meat offering upon the altar, and the priest shall make an atonement for him, and he shall be clean. Verse 21, and if he be poor and cannot get so much, then he shall take one lamb for a trespass offering to be waived to make an atonement for him. And one-tenth of the fine, uh, one-tenth deal of fine flour mixed with oil for a meat offering and a log of oil. Chapter 15 goes on to tell 
what happens or what should happen, the, the procedure for those that have an issue of blood and not leprosy. Oh, wait a minute, I skipped one. Before I get to chapter 15, let me read verse 31. And the priest shall make an atonement for him, this is still talking about the leper, for him that is to be cleansed before the Lord. Verse 53, it says, But he shall let go the living bird out of the city into the open fields and make an atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. Now in chapter 15, with those that have an issue of blood, like the woman in Mark chapter 5, Verse 15, and the priest shall offer them one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make an atonement before, for him before the Lord for his issue. Verse 30, and the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her before the Lord for the issue of her uncleanness. Now, let me ask you a question. Since every time the Bible talks about an atonement, it's talking about that which represents that ritual and operation of the old covenant that represents Jesus and was fulfilled by the cross of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Nobody argues that. Every denomination on the face of the earth, every religious group that believes in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, everybody accepts the fact and preaches the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament type of the atonement. If over and over and over again, the type of the atonement, meaning the shedding of blood, whether it's a lamb or whether it's a bird or whatever the different atonements methods were, it was always something regarding shedding of blood. You couldn't make an atonement without shedding blood. If the Old Testament type of the atonement, the the type of Jesus provided healing, where in the world did the church get the idea that the fulfillment of the type, Jesus literally shedding his blood to go into the cross, doesn't do anything for the physical body. The Bible talks about in Leviticus chapter 25 what the year of Jubilee is all about. The year of Jubilee was every 50 years, seven times seven years, which is 49, but that's the next one's 50. It's the way they counted. Every 50th year, the purpose for the year of Jubilee is for the forgiveness of everyone's debts. Everyone is restored back to his original possession. That's why nobody went in debt for anything more than 50 years at a time because it all reverted back. Now, the year of Jubilee, every, every denomination recognizes and every denomination agrees. Everybody that names the name of Jesus recognizes that the Old Testament type of the Jubilee is that which was fulfilled in Jesus beginning with his resurrection. It's a type of the restoration of what was lost to mankind. Just as Adam lost everything when he sinned in the Garden of Eden and spiritual death began to rule and reign over mankind, much more did the sacrifice of Jesus bring freedom, redemption from all that man lost. Now, here's how the year of Jubilee worked. I'm going to start in verse 8 and read down through about verse 10. It says, And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the Jubilee. Please get this. Here's how the day of Jubilee was announced. It was announced to the sounding or the blowing of a trumpet. This is a type of the preaching of the gospel. The trumpeting of what Jesus has done and accomplished. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the seventh day of the, uh, I'm sorry, the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. The year of jubilee started on the day of atonement. But when? 
Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall you make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And you shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be a jubilee unto you. And you, here's the important phrase, and you shall return every man unto his possession and you shall return every man unto his family. Anybody that's in debt is instantly freed. Now, when was the trumpet blown? This is the important issue. The trumpet was blown on the day of atonement, but not before the animal was sacrificed. It was after the sacrifice was made. It was after the forgiveness of sin type of the Old Testament was completed. Then the trumpet would sound on that 50th year. And the jubilee was proclaimed so that everyone was returned to their own possession. Now, this is what Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 4 in Nazareth. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18, 19, and 20, Jesus said, he stands up in the synagogue in Nazareth and he, uh, he reads from Isaiah 61. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Well, what are you anointed to do, Jesus? To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to, reach, to preach recovering of sight to the blind and deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to proclaim or preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. And to preach or proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is Jesus doing? He takes the book, the scrolls, and, and gives them back to the ruler of the synagogue. Sits down and everybody's looking at him. What's he talking about? Proclaiming Jubilee. This is not the year of Jubilee. What's he talking about? This stuff being anointed of the spirit of the Lord. And he's proclaiming the, the, the acceptable year of the Lord, meaning the Jubilee. What's he doing this for? Jesus sits down and says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, folks, you've got to understand the meaning when Jesus said this day. What Jesus is saying is, this is talking about me. I'm here to fulfill that purpose. But when was the day of Jubilee? When did our Jubilee begin? Before or after Jesus was raised from the dead? After. His blood had to be shed. The day of atonement type wasn't fulfilled until Jesus offered himself on the cross. And then when he was raised from the dead, he is saying, he's telling us, here's what these things represent. Here's why I was sent to the earth to die for the sins of mankind, to redeem man from sin, and to provide healing for his physical body. That's what I'm anointed to do. I'm anointed to do it while I'm here on the earth to show God's intent, God's attitude, toward breaking the power of the devil. But the eternal redemption will be obtained and will be completed. Once I offer myself on the cross, once I'm raised from the dead, then it's a perpetual period, not a day, not a year, but a perpetual period of returning man to his original possession, everything that he lost in Adam when Adam fell. Righteousness, right standing before God, that's what the new birth is about. Redemption from sin, remission of sin means it's wiped away like it never happened. Everybody agrees that's through the cross. No other way that can take place. What else did Adam lose? He lost well-being for his physical body. We know that because that's the way that God identifies himself. I am the Lord that healeth thee. He identified himself to Israel. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. I'm Jehovah Rapha. So he's restoring physical healing for the body. What else did he restore to man? Everything that was lost. 
That's why Jesus said over and over and over again, all things are possible to him that believes. Why? Because once you come back into right standing with God through the finished work of Jesus, through the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus' blood, the sky is the limit. You are restored to the same position as Adam was, and Adam was made to have dominion on the earth. God's plan didn't change, but Adam's right standing with God changed when he sinned. So even though he was created to have dominion, now he doesn't have confidence or the help of God to to exercise that dominion until Jesus was raised from the dead. That's why it was so easy for Jesus to delegate his power to the church. The church meaning those that had accepted him, those that had accepted his sacrificial, his substitutionary sacrifice. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. You go into the earth. I'm going to heaven. You go to the earth. I'll take care of things on my end. You take care of things on your end. And whatever you call for requiring my name, I'll back you up and do it. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Why do people argue with this? Well, some will say, oh, Pastor Mike, you're taking it too far. Yeah, the atonement, the Old Testament atonement is a type of Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled that. But the Old Testament atonement that Jesus fulfilled was not intended to provide for physical healing for everybody in every situation. Well, I guess we're going to have to look at the atonement chapter then to find out, aren't we? Look with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, everybody accepts, every denomination, every religious group that believes in in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross accepts that Isaiah 53 is talking about Jesus and his work, the work that he would do because Isaiah writes this looking to the future Messiah. We look to the past work of the Messiah. But this is the work that Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would do. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The word sorrows is the word pains, other places in the Old Testament. The word griefs is the word sickness, other places in the Old Testament. He is despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrows, pains, literally, and acquainted with grief, sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, verse 4, surely. I want you to notice something, folks. In the whole chapter that talks about the fulfillment of the Old Testament type, of the atonement. The only time the word surely is, is used in verse, is in verse 4. And it's related to sickness and disease. It's related to healing and not sin. It's almost like the Holy Ghost knew that the church would argue against it. 
Wouldn't that be a surprise? It's almost like God could see the future. Surely he has borne our grief, sicknesses, and carried our sorrows, pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Surely, I want you to notice what the Old Testament prophet is saying by the Holy Ghost. Surely, without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus took our pains and carried our sicknesses. No question about it. No sliver of a doubt. Surely. Truly. Absolutely. Without doubt. He has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. That's sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. The difference between sin and iniquities is one is yours, the other is Adam's. Jesus paid the price not only for your individual, your personal sins, but he also paid the price for the sin that opened the door to spiritual death to rule. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. The word chastisement is the word punishment in some translations. The punishment for our peace, our well-being. The word peace is the word shalom. It's also translated prosperity in certain places in the Old Testament. Not every time, not even the majority of times, but sometimes. It's uh, the word used in Psalm 35, verse 27. It says, the Lord delights in the prosperity of his servants. That's the word shalom. The chastisement, the punishment, the payment, the price, the ransom for our well-being in every area was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Yeah, but that means spiritual healing. Folks, there is no such thing as spiritual healing. Oh, yeah, but Pastor Mike, you're, you're misinterpreting the Scripture. Because when you're born again, you're spiritually healed. No, when you're born again, you're made new. To heal something is to restore it from a disease or a, a, a deformed condition. That's not what happens to you spiritually. The Bible says God takes away the old heart, the old spirit, and puts a new one on the inside of you. Jeremiah 33 is real specific about that. Now, how does that happen? How does that work? I have no idea. It happens instantaneously enough to where you don't even miss a breath when you're born again. Because the Bible says the body without the spirit is dead. So if God took out your spirit and there was any, any time delay, you'd die. But it's an instantaneous thing. And I have no way to explain that. I have no way to, to get into specifics or details or whatever. I don't know. I just believe what the Bible says about it. There's no such thing as spiritual healing. Oh, but you can be healed of memories. No, you can learn to forget them. Paul said one thing about his memories. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind me, I press forward towards what's in front of me. And what I press forward toward is the high mark of the calling of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing the Bible ever tells you about your past, folks. Now, I know that's where a lot of people's hurt is. And I know that's where a lot of people's difficulties are because they're remembering things in their past and emotional issues and stuff like that but the bible says one and only one thing about your past and that is forget it now the fact that the bible tells you to forget it means you can you may not be willing to do so yet but you can oh but pastor mike you don't know what they've done to me no i don't know what they've done to you but it may not be as bad as what they've done to me And it wouldn't do anyone, either one of us any good to find out who's been done worse. 
Because the bottom line is the more you remember it and the more you focus on it, the more it will hold you back. So you can do what the Bible says. You can forget your past no matter what it has been, no matter who did what. I don't care if they killed your dog. You can forget your past. Yeah, but I've had, I've had loved ones that have done these things. Well, of course. That's why the past hurts. People that you don't care about that do stuff to you, you don't care. It's always the people that are close to you that hurt you. But you can forget if you want to. Or you can stay in prison for the rest of your life remembering how bad it hurts. Your call. Paul said by the Holy Ghost, this one thing I do. Forgetting that which is behind. I go forward. There is no such thing as spiritual healing. friends. None whatsoever. Healing is for the physical body. Let me make one last point. The Bible says Jesus obtained an eternal redemption for us. What does redemption entail? We know that Jesus paid the price as our substitute for sin. And as a result, he made us new creatures in him. You make Jesus the Lord of your life, he makes you a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. He recreates your spirit and puts the love of God, the, the, the life and the character and the nature of God on the inside of you. But is that the only thing that we're looking for in redemption? Is there any reparations or adjustments for the soul of man through redemption? Yeah, there is. Well, how does it come? It comes through the word. That's why God gave us his word. Now, it doesn't come automatically like uh, the new birth does. But the Bible instructs us to renew our minds to the word. That's a process. That's something that comes to applying, meditating in, and applying the word of God, acting on the word of God in our lives. We renew our minds to learn to think God's thoughts and operate according to God's ways. But man's a three-part being, isn't he? Spirit, soul, and body. Is there anything that Jesus did for us in redemption that pertains to the physical body? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I believe the part of the Bible where it says when Jesus comes back, we'll receive a redeemed body. The Bible says that we've received the first fruits of the Spirit. In other words, the first fruits of our redemption. We don't have uh, an experience. We have it in potential. But we don't have an experience of complete redemption yet because we don't have a redeemed bodies. But what does first fruits of the Spirit mean? When you get to heaven, are you going to have more of the Holy Ghost than you have now? We're going to walk into the throne room of God and He's going to say, well, finally you're here. I'm able to give you everything I've got. The Bible says you're completing Him now. You're not going to get more of the Holy Ghost when you get to heaven. Now, without a doubt, we'll gain greater understanding. The Bible says we will see as we are seen and seen and know as we are known. We will see him like he is. What does that mean? That means the limitations of our flesh. The resistance and the barriers that keep us, or at least try to keep us by the work of the devil, from renewing our minds to the word of God will fall away. But that's not a product of the soul or a function of the soul. That's a result of the fallen flesh that we live in. In other words, the reason that those things will fall away and we'll have complete understanding and see it with open eyes. Paul said, now we see through a glass darkly. He said, now we see through glasses like smoky 
smoked glass or tinted glass or something like that. It's hard to make out details. You can see through it, but it's hard to make out details real clearly. He said, that's what it's like looking through now. But when we get to heaven, we'll see as we are seen and know as we are known. We will see him like he is. What causes that glass darkly to fall away? We have a redeemed bodies. So redemption is both spiritual and physical. We haven't received the, the, the fullness of our redeemed body yet. We won't get that until Jesus comes back for the church in what's known as the rapture. So what could the first fruits of the Spirit be? Well, if, if, if um, redemption, the eternal redemption that Jesus purchased for us with his own blood is both spiritual and physical, then the first fruits of the Holy Ghost is healing. Because when you get to heaven with your redeemed body, healing will no longer be necessary. Healing is not a part of heaven because sickness doesn't exist. Once you receive your redeemed body, there'll never be another attack of sickness against you and your for the rest of eternity. So the fact that redemption is both spiritual and physical. And the fact that the Bible says we have received the first fruits of the Spirit, the only first fruits that could possibly be for a redeemed body is healing. For the physical body we have now. Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament type of atonement. And time and time and time again, in every case that there, in every situation where it's detailed and described, the Old Testament day of atonement was a day of healing. The Passover was a day of healing. Jesus was the fulfillment of both of those types for both the forgiveness of man's sins and the healing of his physical body. Now, God's made provision for us to receive healing through the laying on of hands. He's also made receive provision for us to receive healing through a number of other ways. There are many different ways that you can minister healing to people. But one of the best and easiest ways is just to accept right where you are the finished work of Jesus. You know as well as I do that if someone was here that was unsaved, they could get saved sitting in their seats. They wouldn't have to wait to go to the prayer room. They wouldn't have to wait for an altar call. They could simply hear that Jesus went to the cross and was raised from the dead for their sins. And they could, sitting there by themselves, say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And he would. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for man's sin. It's already done. You don't have to pray some special prayer. You don't have to have a pastor or some special minister to pray some kind of prayer that, that unlocks the work that Jesus has already done because it's already done. The same thing's true for healing. As Jesus said, which is easier to say? Receive forgiveness of sins. Or receive healing for your body. Jesus said that you would know that, you, that the one and the same, the power is the same for both. He said to the sick of the palsy, get out and take your bed. You can do the same thing. People can be healed just by hearing the word of God, coming to the realization, the truth, that Jesus fulfilled the atonement that brings, that brings physical healing just like it brings forgiveness of sins, literally the redemption from sin. God's word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them, and separating the disciples, disputed daily in the school of one Tyrannus. Now, why did he separate the disciples? Because, folks, you hang around people that don't believe like you do, and their unbelief will rub off on you. Faith comes by hearing, so does unbelief. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.